Welcome to the Center Memphis Podcast. I'm your host, Brantley Davidson, and I'm joined by, uh, as always, Executive Director of the Center Memphis, Howard Graham and Dan Butler. Uh, the Center Memphis exists to define reality and offer hope for leaders in Memphis. We meet uh, in weekly group sessions uh, as well as in person, um, and um, you can also join those sessions via Zoom. We also meet with individuals one on one to talk through their unique. Uh, business issues and other topics um, to help sort of put some plans in place um, and connect. So if you um, are looking to do those types of things, please reach out. Uh, we release content throughout the week. Um, you can find that on the centermemphis.org. Um, and we release all that content through social channels like Instagram um, and YouTube. So make sure to give us a follow there. Um, um, or just sign up for our weekly emails. So any channel you want, we've got it. Uh, so please give us a follow on all of them. We'd love to see you in a weekly group session, so sign up. And as always, make sure to um, uh, follow um, this podcast, um, subscribe to it, and leave us a review um, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever you're tuning in from because we'd love to hear from you and know how we can do better. Um, guys, in our previous podcast, uh, we, we talked about redemptive business models and why Christians are called to innovate the business model instead of blindly accepting industry standards. Yes, and when we blindly follow those industry standards and culture, we end up in places that we don't want to be. Yep. Hit it. <laughs> every, <laughs> you know, every business model is deployed with a workplace culture, and when we blindly follow it, that takes the need. To, the, the way the operations profit or our process can overdrive what we meant to do in the first place, our, the mission of the company. And so when we just blindly say this is the way it's done, this way it's always been done, we got to keep doing it, and it's not something that is key to the mission, we get stuck, uh, we get we get tricked, and and more importantly, uh, the mission doesn't go forward because we get stuck on doing the model, and uh, and business business will not thrive that way, and and really mission won't thrive, and we're here for mission. Yeah, so that that helps sort of like segue into today's topic, which is culture. So to kick us off, Howard, how, how do you define or how are we defining workplace culture? What is it? Workplace culture is really how it's received by other people. At the end of the day, we'll talk about how to make it in a minute, but it is the ethos of the place. It's, it's the way uh, you interact and know what to expect. And for employees, that might be it's a, a place with the people – Hey, we've got each other back. We've got each other's backs here, and we help each other out. Or it might be a place that's extremely competitive. We've all worked in competitive environments. Like, no, we get confused. We think the competition's each other. I worked at a financial institution with literally the CEO thought it was a great idea to pit executives against each other. Hmm. And that would, especially in a bank, that would kind of keep things safe. You know, the, the risk guy and versus the, the growth guy and, and keep them uh, against each other. So... That was the culture is that I've got – what I'm trying to do is thrive within this organization instead of help our clients thrive. Mm. And so that can be a culture in itself. Uh, so I'm giving you a negative one. Yeah. But uh, we got to remember the competition. And I love Simon Sinek's new book, just a side principle for a minute, is the infinite game. What, what, what if the whole industry worked together to achieve a mission? Mm. And so not only, not only is the, the, your competition not within your workplace – so many people feel like they're trying to get that one last dollar away from somebody else. 
but the whole industry in the, the, the um, possibilities aren't endless there either if we work together and, and help uh, the industry thrive. Yeah. So, Dan, I'm curious from your experience or just things that you're sort of observing in the marketplace, what are you seeing as some of the biggest problems with workplace culture today? Well, I, you know, I have a few thoughts on this. I mean, obviously, lack of vision, clarity of the direction. Um, you know, where are you going? Where are you trying to take this place? But even underneath that, kind of what's your core values? Who are you? Like, who, like yeah. you mentioned about the, the leaders, how are pitting against each other. Obviously, there's something missing in that core values ecosystem that allowed that to happen. That's right. You know, like, so, which then I was like, then you take down other trails, like, then it leads to employee engagement. You know, the kind, what type, how much. So, that's kind of the, the, the what do you call it, the, the lagging indicators, the employee yeah. engagement. The leading is just the lack of vision, the lack of clarity where you're going and, and, and how to treat each other. Yeah. I mentioned it a minute ago, but I, I just, I just, think when our culture's internally about ourselves when we don't put it to, toward the outside of what we're here to do and serve the uh, our communities the general public uh, it's not a, a a service culture to do something better um, the culture ends up eating itself hmm. alive it, what do you mean by that I mean if I'm if I if I'm here to make gain for myself in the company, and that's that's the and again, I, I think just about everybody who's worked more than five years has seen this. You know, has seen people that a culture that's defined as working uh, for the good of the people doing the work instead of the people we're serving. Yeah. And so if if and so if we can get externally focused on on benefiting others, then you can't help uh, but know that if we're, we're here to benefit others, also executives need to set it up in a way that benefits the people who do it so that they can keep uh, Adam Grant's give or taker uh, TED talk is unbelievable on this. I'd, I'd reference you to just, just Google uh, give or taker uh, Adam Grant. Uh, but if, if the, if, if the culture is to give to others and then that's clearly played out in the way we uh, treat each employee too. And you see that that the most common one we use all the time, Chick-fil-A, those people are well cared for to keep caring, uh, for for their clients yeah. because they know they're here not to get people chicken biscuits but they know they're here to help people have a better day yeah yeah dan you were starting to touch on this i think one of the things that um i i feel like i've had the benefit of being in multiple cultures um in different workplaces and even just observing them through even serving clients of of what cultures existed and, and on the agency side, sometimes the client cultures are all the time, the client cultures would impact us. Right. Mm -hmm. So even like our individual teams at the agency that were serving different clients, if those clients had good work cultures, then oftentimes it translated very easily over to the agency team and vice versa. It wasn't that a, a a company culture was something that the agency had a really tough time necessarily influencing and you could try to be above board or whatnot. And I say that all because you were touching on core values. And to me, I think if, if a company doesn't have their core values really defined that map back to what their vision is as a company, and then those core values actually have to mean something to the type of people that are hired to the types of the way the day-to-day -day happens, 
to meaning the types of behaviors that you want from um, your people, and then you actually make um, decisions uh, from a business perspective, or you make if you have to firing decisions based on those things to me like that accountability like the clarity that core values bring if that's missing that's one of the biggest things that uh, i've sort of seen and i i kind of think that core values could be shifting a lot in front of us right with particularly in hybrid environments you might have to look at some of your core values can you how do you build community through a remote structure, for instance, if that's one of the things you're trying to do. Maybe you can, I don't know, but you might have to evaluate that if that was a previous core value and then you've gone 100% remote post-pandemic, for instance. And if you know your mission, then how do we achieve the mission in today's environment, period? And so uh, the consultants at McKinsey, they have a great article on this on their side, but it has never been a better time to change culture. There's never a better better time to do it they say and part of it is is why what part of hybrid should work and and at the end of the day people don't really care about three two two three they care about personal flexibility they've learned yep the world has learned that personal flexibility is helpful no matter, almost no matter what job i'm in and so if we can give them flexibility that works and, and Brandon, i just want to follow up on what you're saying one reason in the agency world uh that we were in that, that client culture mattered so much is because in a sense at the, at the very top of our organization, it was an accounting driven culture. Right. And so everything mattered on, and literally uh, you'd have to be in this culture to know it, green light, red light, uh, can you do something? And based on accounting and the delays to hiring people. And so you, you almost to have life in your work, you almost had to align with your client's culture to do that. And so that would be great. If, the, if we work for many fabulous clients, had wonderful cultures, and we could kind of embed in that and come along. That's right. But we'd see our, ourselves as had to, we create a, had to create a subculture that complemented the, the larger culture uh, to help people succeed. Yeah, that's literally. right. Yeah, and don't get started on getting bad clients and keeping them for a long time and what that does even to an agency culture. Um, the same can happen, right, when you hire someone who doesn't fit your culture. How do you know they don't fit your culture? It's got to be defined. It's got to be clear. And culture is one of those things that I do think that that can be defined and be top of mind, be front and center in your organization. And that's that's a thing that I've benefited from from the from the past ten to twelve years. People might have disagreed with some of those things, but they at least knew what it meant. It was clear. In a consultative selling culture, you you have the chance to form that on the up front here's how we do business yeah so howard you were touching on this a second ago that um uh in referencing mckenzie in terms of like it's never a better time to assess culture and change it so i'm curious um based on some of those things and what you're seeing how would you recommend us going about changing workplace culture here it is and we've we've hinted we've hinted at it already the good news is this you can't change it you can't cancel it. No matter how many people talk, that's the big phrase right now, cancel culture. But you can't do that either. That's not even possible. And we give a case study on that if somebody wants it. Uh, you can only make it new. What have we learned about that, Dan? Well, Annie Crouch tells us the only way to change culture is to create more of it. Uh, doing things new ways um, that, that, that people will consistently will follow. So that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. Have you been able to, have you seen that? Man, that's a great question. I mean, I think it goes back to what uh, Bradley was talking about earlier, like just who 
like I was talking to um, Mike Shaw had, uh, at More Tech, and he's like, the number one thing these guys are asking for is flexibility. And you hit on it just a minute ago. Like, so the cultures that are, are getting, you know, Hilton is a great example locally. Yep. Uh, one of our running partners, you know, he said that they did a survey and they got three options. You can work fully at home, you can do a hybrid schedule at the office, or you'll uh, work fully at the office. And it was a third, a third, a third. That's pretty, that's pretty telling. Yeah. You know, a third never want to come back. A third only want to go to office and a third want to be able to have that flexibility to do either. So I think Hilton's a great example of like listening to the employees and then creating a new schedule that then they're going to reduce their print, the footprint size of the building and go with what their people want Yeah, to be successful. That makes sense. They keep the yeah. retention and, and help them thrive in the environments they want to be in. Yeah, to me, I, I, my, my comment on culture in, in this is that the biggest destroyer of culture is lack of accountability, which to me means lack of clarity um, for people. And so um, that, that may be a bold statement, and, but the reason why I'm saying that is because I like your example, Dan, on the Hilton piece is because they're, they're clearly evolving mm-hmm. they're sort of changing with the times a little bit. So they are trying to, let's say, make a bit of a new culture for their organization. And yet they're providing clarity on how it can be done. It's, cl- it's very clear. Here is the parameters that you're playing within. Yep. They no doubt still have values and behaviors and things that they want their employees to exhibit regardless However, here's the here's the sandbox that we want our employees to play in. And the only thing I'd say to your point, the clarity on the backside of that is how do we keep inclusive for those that want to stay home versus those that are at the office and make sure that, that you don't lose lose that yeah. those relationships and that connection. Yeah, because cul- culture it won't won't be how we work exactly. It will be how we work together better. Right. And so we're going to get into this book in a minute, but like Brantley's saying about you know, uh, accountability and, and uh, clarity, you can't have accountability without clarity. That's right. It's just like your child. You can't, you can't, can't jump on your child or, or tell your child they're doing something wrong. You've never communicated. Don't play in the drapes. You know we don't play. You're grounded for playing in the drapes. Well, I didn't know we weren't supposed to play in the drapes. That's right. Uh, but if I said we don't, here's how we do things, and you're not doing it that way, uh, then you can hold people accountable. And if, and if part of that would be, and of course it has to be so much accountability and work how you want, people want flexibility, I think that's clear. And an employer to give flexibility is great. Then what you're saying, Dan, is how do you pull them together? What, what's the way we still become a team and back each other up, whether one of us goes to work every day and one of, the, one of us works from home, the way we work together uh, will, will still drive how effective we are. Absolutely. So all this is good news, and and Howard, I think that we would sort of, to your point, or to the point previously, is that now is the best time with recent history to make culture. That's right. People have learned. Uh, there's lots of benefits to this pandemic. There's lots of sadness about it, uh, and there's but there are lots of benefits. People have learned more what they care about. I don't think there's. I don't think. Ask your friends. They've thought about it more in the past two years. Their values have changed. Their needs have changed. Their work has changed. And they've figured out they can make the soccer game. They can care for their child. And they can still get their job done. And so work, workplaces do need to recognize that. But it's the time to then say, okay, what do we care about? And, that, and that's for everybody. And by, and by the way, the, the fact that this only comes top down is not true. I mean, the organization's got to have it. 
But it, but it, but remember, in, in, our, in the place where we were together, uh, Wonderman, we had to decide what our culture would be within the culture. That's right. And and actually, we took examples from some of the people who were the most loving and caring in the in the office, and said, "We want to be like them. Yeah. We want we want to all be like that." So, every person impacts the culture by contributing to the team. So whether you've worked at a place, you're 24 and you've worked at a place three months, or you're the CEO, you can have an impact, and the time is now to do it. So do you think, in saying all that, Howard, do you think, I mean, don't you still think the CEO has the biggest impact in this, in the, in the culture piece? I mean, I, I sort of just, I, you asked Howard, so I'm sorry, I'm jumping in here. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I, 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 being one who's not a CEO, <clears throat> I would like to say that, yes, (laughs) the CEO can significantly impact it. It, It's top down. And, you know, I think that, you know, Howard, at times, if we think back to Wonderman or even like the times where I'm at, you know, where I'm at now, we went through multiple different CEO types and our cultures at times, whereas in Memphis, we were trying to keep the same culture. We sort of knew different. We had different strategies that we had to deploy to try to protect the culture that maybe we even had at Memphis with maybe different leadership from a top perspective. And at times that would impact different people differently um, because of maybe the leadership style or the culture style, the value style of of who those um, those leaders were. So I I would say that, you know, a, a resounding yes, it does start at the top. And yet CEOs middle managers can learn from everybody boy that person's more encouraging and look what happened yeah we're going to be a more encouraging place we're going to back each other up better um so that's great and so it gets down to organizational health patrick lencioni has this great book it's really a follow-up on a book that he um wrote called the four obsessions of extraordinary executive because it's the same things but it's called the advantage and it says organizational health drives everything else the culture of the place matters more than anything um and so to do that he he, he lists four things one you got to pick the people pick the players right two you got to help everybody understand what we're about then you have to create systems to do that and then you have to over communicate organizational clarity like you were saying Bradley. those are the four things and so on this podcast there is a, sh- a sheet we put this sheet on there um of the, a pdf that he provided for free so we took it and now we're saying read this book and we're also saying that the, the, the six ways to think about how your organization should run, what the culture should be like, are on a PDF on the show notes of this podcast. But, it's, but here are the six questions. Why do we exist? How do we behave? What do we do? How will we succeed? What's most important right now? And what must we do? Those things, when we can answer those things as an organization, everybody can answer them the same, like Brantley's talking about, clarity. Uh, then we can say this is how we're supposed to act. And what I love about this that uh, really struck me is that the things we care about in our personal lives, the things that we, those of us who are, are Christians and follow Jesus, the things that, the reason we exist, the way we're supposed to behave, and what do we do in our personal life really should play out at work. It needs to be consistent. Harvard even says you can't have a purpose without a purpose behind your purpose. So knowing who we are in one area of our life to not separate that when we get to work. The reason we live, what we, how we behave and what we do and all those other questions, the definition of success is the same. And when those things get uh, off, it's just, it's difficult for us. So uh, even if we're not in charge, how we do this every day impacts others in a, in a huge way. 
But Howard, how, how do we knowing why we exist, um, how do we know that that will contribute to a healthy workplace culture? Right here. Um, if we know that we're here not to earn nickels, if we know we're here not for our own selfish gain, but we know we're here to be witnesses. And God says in Isaiah, everybody's a witness to something. And he actually sets up a trial, those who, who know him, those who don't know him. He's telling the prophet Isaiah, let's set this up. You'll see who will declare, uh, who will declare uh, my glory. And let's see who knows. Uh, so you're my witnesses, declares Lord, all of us. And then Jesus commands us to go out with his power. The Holy Spirit will come, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Memphis, Boston, L.A., Senatobia. Hattiesburg, all of these places, we're supposed to be witnesses. And when we know that, it means I'm a witness at work more than I care about uh, personal gain in the office place. Yeah, so we, <clears throat> previous, uh, this, this, this past year, we've, I can't remember, uh, a couple weeks ago, a month ago, we talked about purpose at work and redefined that. And I, I do think that as we think through culture, for, for the Christian, um, understanding purpose from a big picture perspective and having to Howard's point, having that be consistent um, for your purpose in your marriage or purpose in your friendships, uh, your purpose at, at work should, should be the same. And like when we think through some of the, the six um, principles that, that you'll see in the reference on the PDF, one of the things that I really like about, um, or, or that I really like on one of these is sort of the how we will, will succeed, which is the second principle, and it's referencing Joshua 1, 8, and 9. To me, where without reading the Bible verse, it actually sort of ref, it reframes success, um, worldly success, into how God says what is successful and how he delivers success for you. And I think that maps directly into purpose and can then for whether you're a leader as a worker or you're in charge of an organization, that success and that purpose alignment is where you can be clear in creating culture. It's good. It defines a force. That's right. Yeah. And for me, I was like, I was reading this. I was like, it, and it, and it frees you up, you know, to succeed. I mean, like it just frees you up. Like, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Right. So how freeing is that to like just make decisions and keep moving forward because God's got you. Yeah. yeah. So Dan, are there any of these like six questions that you that you like the most and have seen it played out in your work? I love the one about you know what do we do? You know, uh, Matthew twenty eight hits on it. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And so I just. I love seeing, like, I remember being a teenager and seeing ma managers, mentors that would follow this guideline. Hmm. And I, that's what kind of tr set my trajectory of, of wanting to be a leader, that you didn't have to, you know, whip and a rule, you know, rod or whatever you want to call it. You know what I mean? Like, just you could love people. You could encourage them. Um, you could be there for them. Um, and, and sometimes love is firing them. And sometimes love is helping them find another job. So, all that is being a witness um, and, and being uh, being a disciple. So I, that's what that's what comes to my mind. Howard, 
what's one more of these that's that's your favorite? What can I? And I'd love to comment a minute on his because yeah. I I love that. Like, are those two things connected? And I think in our in our regular way of thinking, in our fallen way of thinking, with those aren't connected. Make disciples and and how I need to run this organization. But how? Another way to think about it is how can I? If, if that's my chief purpose to be a witness and make disciples, how can I underpay that person? How can I treat them less than the image of God? How can I, I would first, the Hippocratic Oath and, and, and legal and, and medical, first do no harm. I would first have to care for them in a way and pay them a living wage, especially if I'm profiting. I'd have to pay the, I'd have to treat them as well as I want to be treated. And we saw last week how, how Bob Moore did that at Bob's Red Mill. But, so I think that's huge. Uh, is, is the business deal with the business? Do we tell the investors it's about making disciples? Well, our mission is this, but we don't do it in a way that doesn't make disciples. Um, and, and, and that because we got to be consistent with how we're made, uh, if when we know uh, Jesus has got us. Uh, so, so the other one I like is how do you behave? And it's the problem I struggle with the most. How do I behave? And, and if, an, if an organization can understand how we behave and treat each other. How, how rich could it be? How, you've seen these, organ, these, these companies where you show up at 9 o'clock at night, and they're still happy to be there. Well, they must treat each other well. So how do we behave? Uh, what better verse than 1 Corinthians 13, 4, and 7? Now, this is not just a wedding verse. This is a daily verse for all, of, for all of us. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. He's not worried about what the other guy makes. It does not boast. It's not proud. It's not, it doesn't have to speak up for itself it does not dishonor it doesn't it's not self-seeking it's not angered it keeps no record of wrongs love does not delight in evil but rejoices with truth it always protects it always trusts it always hopes it always perseveres so just thinking of that uh really helps us think about how we behave uh i'm not worried about it we had somebody in a group one of our sessions this week they were but i don't have to treat the vendor did wrong. How am I supposed to treat him? No, I'm not keeping a record of that. I'm going to start over with you and treat you how I want to be treated. I'm going to be kind and patient. You still may have to pay. You still may have to deliver the product I've already paid for. But I'm going to treat you the same way I'd want to be treated. And Praxis, by the way, another show link to this will be uh, the Redemptive Business Model chapter on culture. And Praxis has a, 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 um, a key to that, a, a cultivate a a culture of high excellence, high grace in your communications, decisions, and actions. Speak the truth in love through redemptive feedback, honest developmental honor, honoring. So no matter whether there's somebody doing well or somebody doing poorly, we can all treat the biggest client well. That's easy for us. Mm-hmm. He pays the checks. we got to treat the client well. We treat, the, we treat our boss well. We treat, oh, it's easy. I'm motivated. There's re- reciprocity. But i got to treat the people uh, everybody with high excellence and high grace. They deserve it. They're made in the image of God. Hmm. So, I mean, for me, I was, you know, as I think through this, you know, I just think the whole piece around love, you know, I, I just think about the, my career and, you know, at some point I had hundreds of employees and multiple plants and, like, the ability to either, you know, I think you gave one right before I walked in here about just building up somebody, like, that you thought the, 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 your friend was going to terminate them and just gave them real loving feedback, and now they're one of the best employees. And so I've seen that over and over again. I've seen terminations that I've had that I'm still friends with on Facebook, quote-unquote, 
you know, that, that, that could still happen, right? That still can happen in love. If that's, if that's the, the, the angle, you know, in Christ that you're going after to, um, to help that person succeed. So yeah, love doesn't always see yourself at the top. Correct. Love sees what's really best for that person. Yep. Even in a, even in feedback, what's why can't, why aren't they performing? What is wrong? Mm-hmm. And having that honest conversation is dignity. You're 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 worth more than that. Yep. Uh, and it's amazing how it can turn around when I really uh, care uh, why they're struggling. Yeah, <clears throat> for me, I, I love I love the behavior conversation because behaviors flow from your values. What we're talking about here is the purpose and the mission that Jesus gives us. To, to keep us on mission and the values that, you know, you can, you can phrase them in different ways, but they come from who Jesus is and what he did for us. And the behaviors are the things that we should be doing that we know that we can't do perfectly that we can't do without Jesus. And so it is this great cycle that helps us lead, helps us assess what type of culture even is in our business places, how Jesus is helping us and ultimately how much we need Jesus even more. Because we, if we we can do the best values uh, diagram, we can define our behaviors perfectly. We can know exactly how we want to behave. And yet the Christian is free to know that you're not going to behave perfectly. And that's why you need Jesus. Perfect. Awesome. That's a theological wrap. You want to wrap this officially? That's good. (laughs) Yeah. So, that's a wrap for this week on culture. And I'll just say this. Culture is hard. If you're in the middle of a tough work culture, it's isolating and difficult. And and that's we would love to talk, to, talk with you um, if you're in a tough spot, if you're trying to assess how to change culture. Um, we've, we've been there before. And so we'd love to hear from you to apply some of these things and just, just to pray with you and talk through some of these things. Or if you're just in a positive spot and you want to stay ahead of culture, uh, please reach out because all are valid uh, to speak in with community and um, we need people to learn from each other and to help us get better. So uh, that's it for this week and we look forward to talking with you again soon.